All right. I always like to begin the message with some jokes. It's good to laugh, isn't it? <laughs> um, so, a minister, and this is not here, <clears throat> this minister was preoccupied with thoughts of how he was going to ask a congregation to come up with some extra money at the end of his service because they had to do some repairs to their roof. And he was annoyed to find out that when he got to the church that his regular organist was out sick and there was a substitute brought in at the last minute. He wanted the substitute to play, so he just got on with it and said, right, here's a copy of the service. Um, but afterwards, I want you to think of something to play uh, while I make this announcement. So uh, after the service, right at the end, he says, brothers and sisters, we're in great difficulty. The roof repairs cost twice as much as we expected, and we need $4,000 more. Any of you who can pledge $100 or more, please stand up. At that moment, the substitute organist played the national anthem. And that is how the substitute became the regular. All right. I've got a joke about Moses. George W. Bush, in an airport lobby, noticed a man in a long, flowing white robe with a long white beard and flowing white hair. He had a staff in one hand and some stone tablets under his arm. George W. approached the man and inquired, aren't you Moses? The man ignored George W. and stared at the ceiling. George W. positioned himself right in front of the man and asked again, aren't you Moses? The man continued to peruse the ceiling. George W. tugged at the man's sleeve and asked once again, aren't you Moses? The man finally responded in an irritated voice, yes I am. And George W. asked him why he was so uppity. The man replied, the last time I spoke to a bush, I had to spend 40 years in the desert. <laughs> Sometimes things don't always go as planned, do they? <laughs> but you know, we serve a living God who has a plan. You know that? You know that wherever we're at in our lives, that God has a plan. Whether you've spoken to a bush and spent 40 years in a desert, God still has a plan. And, uh, you know, whatever your circumstances are, we can be confident that what the Bible says will happen, will happen. You see, our God is not in the business of stay where you are. He's not in the business of accept the way things are. He's in the business of change. He's in the business of breakthrough. He's in the business of redemption, of reconciliation, of bringing you closer to him, of getting the best for you. But, you know, we're impatient, aren't we? It's easy to be impatient. You know, if God was an employee, 
he'd get the sack real quick because he never shows up on time, at least in our estimations, if we've been honest. You know, we always want the answer to our prayers sooner than God thinks perhaps we should have them. And so what do we do when things perhaps aren't going the way we want? How do we respond when God seems slow to answer or when maybe he seems like he's not listening or maybe he seems like he's a long, long, long way away? How do we respond? See, it's so easy for us to be overwhelmed by what's going on around us and in our lives that we can kind of expect that we can say to God, all right, I'm coming to church on Sunday. I'll be there at 10 a.m. I need you to show up and I need an answer. God doesn't work like that. It's not like going to the dentist or the doctor. You know, we're never late for the doctor. We go there, we pay our money, they do their thing, off, off we go. But God doesn't work like that. He has a plan. He has a time. Whether our times are good or bad, you can know that they're not going to stay the same. You see, in short, change is coming. Good times don't last forever, but neither do bad. Neither does sickness, neither does wealth. It comes and it goes. There's ups and downs. Life is not straightforward. You see, our lives are a mosaic of lots of little pieces put together of different seasons, phases, and periods. You see, God is working to a schedule. He's not working to our schedule, but he's working to a schedule. And he's interested in time. You know he's interested in the right time. He's interested in the right time for you. He's interested in the right time for me. Now, we, just this last week, we went away. Um, we took the kids down to Rotorua, um, had a great time. But one of the things that we were acutely aware of on some of the events that we went, or places we went to, was that there was an absence of safety rails. And there was a preponderance of hot steam and hot water and general things that children don't mix with. And so we were very much on edge of, hey, kids, don't run ahead. Wait for us. We need to all go together at the right time. You know, don't run ahead of God. Because you might fall into that hole of steaming water. And there were places, like we're at Iraqi Karaka, and it was like the hot water was literally running over the edge of the path. Um, and so, you know, God is, uh, he's going ahead of us and he's preparing the way. He's making sure that it's safe for us. And so, often, it seems that God's timing is slow. But he's always come through at just the right time. You see, when Christ arrived, 
he arrived at just the right time. And all of history pivoted around that moment. All of history points to that moment before and all of history after points back to it. All of history points to just the right time. See, in Romans 5, we can have that slide, it says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us. Not too early, not too late, but just the right time. He knows what he is doing. And Mark 1.15 says it like this, the promise time, or time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is here. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. The time that they had been waiting for had come. They recognized it had come. And it had come at just the right time. You know, in the New Testament, um, New Testament is in Greek. Um, and uh, Greeks have different words for different things, and we get a lot of our English words from Greek words. And you'll see up there, we have some meanings of, or Greek meanings of the word time. Now, we understand chronos, that's where we get the word chronological, um, that's why you'll see, you know, watches, time measuring, all that. Um, it's the sequential chronological measurement of time. It is also means a specific amount of time. That's what we understand. You see, our lives go in a, in a way, in a, a chronos kind of way, where we're born, we go to school, we go to high school, we might go to university, we might get married, we might get a job, we might get a house, we might get some kids. There is a natural progression of time that happens that we can understand. But then there's the God element to time. And that's what they captured in that word kairos. And what that is, is that is an opportunity, a time to respond at an appointed time. It is a beginning point. So the kronos is the measurement and the kairos is the beginning point. It is the opportunity where we have to respond to God. God doesn't tell us when we're going to have these moments, these kairos moments, where we have opportunities to respond to him. He doesn't tell us in advance that they're coming, but we certainly have to be awake to recognize them. David Jeremiah says this. He says, Every season of a person's life is determined and purposed by God. He is intimately involved in every beginning and ending, every growth and decline. See, God wants to be involved in the moments of your life. He wants to be involved in all the moments of your life. He doesn't just want to be involved on a Sunday morning from 10 till 11.30 or 12 o'clock. He wants all. And you see, if we go to the next slide, Ephesians 1, where it says, 
Furthermore, we are united in Christ and we have received an inheritance from God for he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. See, he has already been ahead of us. He's already made a way for us. You know, what we see is the unanswered prayer, but we don't see that God is going ahead of us. We don't see that he's already well down the track. He's making the way and he's making it work out. Romans 8 puts it like this, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Everything works together in the way and the timing that God has set down. It's for our good and his glory. And with that, we can understand that there are going to be times and seasons. And understand that when Christ came, it was at a specific time for a specific season that he was physically here. And that's the same with us. We have times and seasons. In Ecclesiastes 3, it says this, For everything there is a season, a time, for every activity under heaven. You know, in that verse, there are two Hebrew words that um, are used around the idea of time. Uh, and the top one, I've just called it time, but the word spelt in English letters is eighth. It's not, that's just how we phonetically pronounce it. Um, that is the point or the beginning. And then the season, which is the morn, is the period of time. Now, isn't that similar to what we just heard about the Greek ones? It's not too dissimilar, is it? It's very close to being the same. Except that in the Hebrew one, there's no opportunity to respond. No, it's a, it's a, this is happening at this time. This is happening now, whether you're ready or not. It's just, it's happening. And it's happening for this period of time. You know, God, as well as working in our lives in individual seasons, he's working to an overarching schedule, a, a calendar of events that lead up to the climax of history when it eventually comes. And that's part of what this is talking about, that there is a place for time for everything and a season for everything. And if you read that uh, chapter onwards, you will see all the things that uh, God says that there is a time and a season for. So, what does that mean for us? Well, like before, it means that things are not going to stay the same. The season that you are in will end, and a new one will start. You need to be ready for it. You need to position yourself to be ready for it. Does anyone here like hot, sandy places? All right, thank you, Amanda. Anyone else like hot, sandy places? Lionel, Robbie? Okay. Now, what if I told you if this hot, sandy place was in the middle of nowhere and it's called a desert and it has snakes and scorpions and other nasties, would you want to stay there? 
not what you're supposed to say. <laughs> All right, you get a great tan, but you're probably not going to last there very long, right? You know, we have periods in our life that can seem like a desert, like we're dry, like, um, like we're away from, uh, there's no freshness to our lives. But you know, when we're in the desert, we need to learn the lessons of the desert and get out. You know, like Jesus went into the desert for 40 days and he got out. He did what he needed to do and he got out. He didn't stay there. The season came and it went. So whatever God has put his finger on in your life, I encourage you, don't stay in the desert. Deal with it and get out. Just as in the natural there are seasons, there are also spiritual seasons. You know, God won't move us out of our own season until we're prepared for the next season. So in that we can probably choose how long we stay where we are. But you know, that's not what God wants for us. God doesn't want us to stay where we are. He wants to know us more. He wants to move through us. The Holy Spirit wants to move through us. 